right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Faceoffs and Fantasy Podcast. This is Sean, and uh, also we have our other co-host, Marcus. Hey, Sean. Yeah. How's it going? I'm doing good. Thanksgiving weekend, so people have Monday off, which is nice. Today is actually Monday. So I stuffed my face with a bunch of mashed potatoes and gravy and some turkey. Actually, sure. turkey was quite moist today, which was nice. Normally, it's kind of dry. It was fantastic today. Well, that's good. Have you ever had deep fried turkey? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I can remember, I should say. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving, though? Pretty good. Uh, I've actually never had deep fried turkey either. That's something I've always wanted to try, but haven't had the chance. And my Thanksgiving, uh, it was good. We went down and uh, saw. Wait, say, wait, Heather's parents. Sorry, <laughs> did did you not have deep fried turkey? For no, I've never had deep fried turkey either. Oh man, <laughs> I thought you were asking me because you had deep fried no, turkey no, no, this no, weekend, no. and that's why you thought of it. No, so just no. completely irrelevant. You just we were talking about turkey, and you're asking me about deep fried turkey. Exactly. Okay. All right. Exactly. Hey, most things deep fried. Or it's kind of hard kind of hard to turkey's say they're bad, so right? big like would it be the same would it taste the same like will it be oh. more moist because it's an oil but is it gonna penetrate that far i don't kind of dumb of me but i don't know why in my head when you said that i was thinking it had like either been cut up and then individual pieces had been breaded and then deep fried no, no, or no, no, if no, they no. had like so, cooked it first and then just deep fried pieces in the after. u.s like how they do deep fried turkey it's this giant Full. pot and they slowly lower in the turkey into the boiling hot oil and then it it just that's how they deep fry it so it's deep fried full and so i'm assuming they still put the stuffing in and everything hmm. and then it's just lowered in and i guess like new mistakes that happen a lot is when uh, people are doing it the first time they fill it up with too much oil and then this thing just overflows and oh. <laughs> just hot oil like everywhere but usually everywhere. i think most of the time people do it outside so it's um, like when you put too much water in the pot to boil it and then yeah. you add in like the Whatever. corn or something and yeah. it just like overflows exactly but this would be hot oil so yeah <laughs> and you're talking about suck. like gallons or liters of of hot oil so um never tried well, I it guess but would liters like to. here gallons there yes yes would like to try it though it does well maybe maybe one day we can make some deep fried turkey together that would be a lot of fun and as long as it doesn't dry out because dry turkey is again i i assume that you know because it's like in oil it's like gonna be very moist but i don't know i've never had it (laughs) for those of you counting we have to use the word moist this is now three times because i just said it one more time i'm sure it's a fan favorite one of those words that everybody loves the moist (laughs) all right (laughs) so yeah uh, anyways welcome to the podcast glad to have you back you know all the tons of fans that we have at the moment fantastic actually i just want to say thanks to those of you who are listening because i know i've passed this off to some friends and family and stuff and quite a few people have given feedback so very happy to to hear and and see uh, that feedback always good yeah so if anybody else listens to this podcast and wants to give us a feedback that would be awesome we're pretty new to the game so any and all criticisms would be good for us they would be constructive they would be positive so that we can learn and, and we can move on from there stop saying Marcus. moist okay <laughs> one thing i haven't mentioned up to this point and probably should is we have a twitter account 
So anybody who is interested in following us, it is Faceoffs Fantasy. Just so you know, Twitter would not allow me to use the and symbol. So it's Faceoffs Fantasy. That is our Twitter handle. Uh, the reason that I mentioned that is because, for example, the last two episodes we did two mock drafts. We actually uploaded the results of those mock drafts and we made polls to see who thought the who thought who did better. Sorry, a lot of who in there. Who did better in the mock draft, myself, Sean, or Marcus. And we had one vote, which was definitely unbiased. <laughs> and that person chose me and said that I had okay, a better Sean, mock draft. Okay, Sean, Sean voted for himself, but okay. Then Marcus. <laughs> it was not me, actually. I, I don't have Twitter myself, so I'm not able to do it. But it may or may not be somebody that I live with. Just so pressing votes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm influencing people. But yeah, if, if you're able to, if you're interested, we post some stuff on there. We ask for your feedback. We ask, put up some polls sometimes. So it'd be kind of cool to take a look and see if people are, are interested in letting us know how it's going. I demand a recount. <laughs> you're going to have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's get started with today. What we're going to talk about first is carry price. All right. Carey Price is, for those of you who don't know, the goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens. And he was the goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens last year when they made the run to the Stanley Cup Finals. He has also represented Team Canada in the last two Olympics. And has, he was, was he in 2010? He was, right? Or was um, that when Luongo won? I think Luongo might have been the starting goalie. Brodeur and Luongo split 2010. So he would have been the goalie in 2014 in Sochi when they played in Russia. So he was the starting goalie, won the gold medal. He is literally a future Hall of Fame goaltender. He has won an incredible amount of games and was the best goalie on the planet for a number of years. Started to, in terms of his production on ice, has slowed down a little bit recently. But last year in the playoffs, he was vintage price. And everybody remembered what vintage price was. The reason we're talking about Price is he is actually taking a leave of absence from the NHL. And this is something that is pretty important to talk about. They kept it under wraps, obviously, for good reason. He needs some time away. He needs some time away to just get himself refocused, to work on himself as an individual, to make sure that he is taking care of himself and his family. So there's not a whole lot of info about it, nor do we really need the information about it. But I think it's just important to note his wife had made a post and was just talking about how he wanted to set an example for his kids to let them know that needing help and asking for help is something that really everybody should feel comfortable doing. Not comfortable, but not embarrassed to do because it's something that's really important in your life. If you're ever down, if you need some help, you know, there's people there, there's people who are here for you, there's people that care about you. And so asking for help is not something that is weak. It's actually something that takes a lot of strength to do. Just really important, such a such an important player in the NHL and Team Canada and the Montreal Canadiens. And just kudos to him for stepping up, for doing what needs to be done. And we all wish him a speedy and, and healthy recovery. And hopefully he's able to feel better when he comes back because that's the most important part his health as an individual as a person and you know what at the end of the day yeah the nhl is a business but it's it's still hockey right your your health is way more important than a game so i'm glad that he's doing that and i wish him uh, all the best 
Yeah, that's pretty courageous of him in that, you know, he's definitely been one of the top five goalies in the past, like, 10 years. And um, it just shows to show that, you know, uh, mental health can affect anybody. Um, doesn't matter if you're, you know, trying to make the fourth line or if you're the top goalie in the league. It's just something to recognize that mental health is very important and it should be taken more seriously. Yeah, no doubt. And I think a lot of times fans and especially casual fans it's hard for people to sympathize with people that have a certain paycheck right we're talking about a guy who makes over 10 million dollars us and this that the other and it's like oh you know what you make money to play a game at the end of the day it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter what you do if you need help you need help and if you're willing to ask for the help and you're willing to put yourself through that and to try to actually better yourself as an individual everybody should be applauding him everybody should be having his back at this point and like we said hopefully that's something that'll be helpful for him and and hopefully he'll get back sooner rather than later but you know he needs to take the time that he needs uh the other thing i was i was listening to and reading about i on our twitter account i follow a bunch of uh, people now that are in the hockey industry and they were they were actually talking about how they believe that Druan's absence last year maybe partially paved the way for Price to feel comfortable enough to, to go out and do this this year. So not not to take anything away, obviously, but uh, maybe it's just, you know, kudos and, and to give props where props is due in this case that, you know, not that many people talked about it last year when Druan went away and, and maybe it was mentioned here or there in the playoff run of, you know, they're missing Druan, stuff like that. But the way people are having Carey Price is back right now and, uh, you know, the flood of positivity and, and you know, people calling him courageous support. and talking about that and giving support. Uh, you know, I hope people think back on that and how maybe they reacted to the Durant situation. And hopefully if this happens again in the future, we just continue to be positive and let people do what they need to do to be healthy and happy and live a good life. Of course. At the end of the day, we want everyone to be happy and healthy. We don't wish uh, any... And it'll be anybody to be, you know, not feeling great about playing hockey or, or living life for that matter. Yeah. And, you know, as Leafs fans, we've obviously been upset and angry in the past and probably said things about certain players. And at the end of the day, it's one of those things where emotion gets the better of you every once in a while. But when you sit down and you think about it and you talk about real life, you know, the, the important things come to light and, you know, all that other stuff kind of just could push to the background, which is good. So, all right. Well, just of note, uh, he did not make the 2010 Canada Olympic team ah, or he wasn't on it. Okay. So it would have been Brodeur and Fleury and probably Luongo, like you had said. Luongo. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. I'm but pretty he was sure. On 2014. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. All right. But he was definitely the starting goalie in 2014 when they won the gold medal in Sochi. And yep. he would have been the starting goalie for the World Championships that was hosted by the NHL. When Team North America was there and Team Europe was there, he would have been the goalie for Canada as well. And they won whatever the championship was called because it wouldn't have been a gold medal as in the U.S. Or sorry, as in an Olympic medal. World Cup of Hockey. Oh yeah, that's what it was called. Yeah, do you remember we went to yeah. a bunch of games? Yeah, we did, and um, I I remember seeing oh. Matt Sundin and uh, yeah. Nick Lindstrom and uh, Daniel Alfredson. And Daniel Alfredson. And they walked by and Peter Forsberg because we were playing Team Sweden, or 
we weren't. We didn't. I didn't. I didn't get to attend any Team Canada games, but I think we were the 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 game that we were watching. It was. I believe it was Team Europe, Team Sweden. I think it was the semifinals yeah. when Team Europe beat Team Sweden to make it to the finals, which was a shock to everybody. But yeah, the game went into overtime, and I think it was your friend, mm-hmm. right? Somebody had a box, and we were just sitting up in the the nosebleeds. And your friend texted you and was like, "Hey, everyone cleared out at the end of the third period. The game's going to overtime. Did you want to come to the yeah. box?" So we all went to the box, and when we went to use the bathroom at the box, we (laughs) we saw Matt Sundin, Daniel Alfredson, and uh, Nicholas Lindstrom walking away from the bathrooms. I I didn't say anything. You know, I wasn't going to be that guy where it's like, oh, my God, I'm such a big fan. (laughs) That was pretty cool. They were trying to get back to their seats to be there for overtime and stuff, so... Um, but yeah, that was pretty crazy. And you forget Man, how huge Alf- they are, how big they are. Like Matt well, Sundin, like yeah, they always call him the big Swede. But when I stood beside yeah. him, or just you know, as he walked by, I was just like, oh man, this guy is huge. He's massive. Lindstrom's big too. But actually, I was surprised at how small Alfredson was. He actually wasn't that big. I thought he would be bigger compared to yeah. Sundin <laughs> and to Lindstrom. Everyone's of short compared to Sundin. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's not like you and I. No, are tall, that's, so. that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Alfredson is at least my height, if not taller. So, um, not like in that sense. But yeah, that was cool. And remember when we went? We went to the Czech Republic USA game, and the Czech Republic beat USA. And that I, I correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if it was that game, but one of the games in that tournament, they passed on Phil Kessel. And he tweeted out and he was like, feel like I should be doing something right now, but can't quite put my finger on it. And everyone was like laughing because obviously Team USA was dumb for not picking Kessel at that time. They left him off the roster because they wanted more grit and stuff. I think Justin Abdelkader was on Team USA, but Phil Kessel wasn't in 2016. Well, you know, they wanted depth. That's that was prime Phil Kessel. I don't understand. Uh, yeah, good old I days. Daniel Alfredson is um, 5'11", by the way. Oh, damn. Yeah, so maybe he just looked small compared to the other guys. Because yeah. isn't Sundin like 6'5"? I think so, something like that. Let me. I think Sundin's pretty big. So, yeah, never mind. Alfredson's much taller than me. So imagine if I was standing beside Sundin and Lindstrom. You're correct. Matt Man. Sundin is 6'5". Yeah, there you go. Numbers. Not often I remember things, <laughs> but numbers sometimes stick. Okay, let's keep rolling here. The next thing I want to talk about is the news that came out. And it's about COVID-19 hitting the Kraken. So even in the depths of the ocean, uh, people are still getting COVID. So there's five players on the Kraken that were placed on COVID protocol. So this... I was reading up on it, but essentially it doesn't necessarily mean that they tested positive or that it's confirmed that they tested positive. Being placed in COVID protocol also includes if you were potentially exposed to somebody that tested positive, you were considered a close contact, things like that. So it is possible these guys get back fairly quickly, especially if they don't actually end up testing positive for COVID. But at the end of the day, the general manager of the Seattle Kraken, Ron Francis, he did state that the entire team, the entire roster, I should say, all the players on the Seattle Kraken are vaccinated. So that means even if these guys do end up testing positive for COVID, you know, hopefully they don't really have too many symptoms because of the vaccine. And essentially they just need to wait until they get two negative 
uh, tests, I believe, within a 48-hour period. Hopefully sooner rather than later, but as we're speaking right now, it is Monday night, and they play Tuesday night in their very first inaugural game. Yeah, if they're missing Donskoy, Johansson, McCann, Alexiak, and Jarncroc in their first game, when Yanni Gord and Colin Blackwell are already on the IR, that's seven of their starting players. Uh, we're talking about, you know, a 22 to maybe 25-man roster. So that is a significant amount of their starting players. Yeah, that's a huge loss. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that's similar to Nylander in that last year. I remember Nylander, he didn't, con- he, uh, I think, was placed in COVID protocol and missed a couple of games. I don't think he actually yes. tested positive. I think it was like he was in contact with somebody who was positive or something th- like that. But Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, that was in the, the all or nothing. They spoke about it briefly. Oh, have you have you seen that episode? I yet? don't think or... so. I I've only seen up to episode two. <laughs> it it was kind of funny because they they basically alluded to the fact that perhaps he would he had seen somebody that evening mm-hmm. who ended up testing positive for COVID. <laughs> I don't I don't want to speculate on who he may have been seeing late at night. Yeah. <laughs> only like a one time thing, and then uh, ended up testing. I believe he did test positive. He ended up missing oh, he like four did. games. Okay, I think. Never mind. Yeah, it, it was it was like maybe four games that he was out for. But, anyways, hopefully for them, these guys they're all vaccinated. Hopefully, it's something where it's very minute and they're able to get back quickly. Because, man, we saw how. Dallas really got screwed over last year, having the COVID outbreak at the beginning of the year, setting them back, ending up having to play a whole ton of games back to back and near the end of the season. You don't want to see that happen. Uh, Dallas went to the Stanley Cup finals. Like we're talking about a, a really good team with really good depth and they couldn't even make the playoffs last year. So hopefully it doesn't impact the Kraken in their first season. That would really suck, I hope they're able to come out and at least be a respectable team and show some competitiveness and hopefully these guys get back quicker. Definitely not an ideal way to start your franchise. Yeah. That would really suck. Hopefully, hopefully fingers crossed. It's all good. And these guys get back quickly. So I was going to talk about actually the impact of COVID based on what we're already seeing. So here's a team, five players in pro COVID protocol. Um, I was going to mention the connection to the Olympics here. For those of you who don't know, this year there is going to be a Winter Olympics and hockey, so the NHL, is finally allowing players to go back. So they haven't played in the Olympics since 2014 since they were in Sochi and Russia. And one of the things of note here is that the NHL signed off on players going to play in the Olympics with a couple opt-out clauses. And one of the opt-out clauses is if the NHL season gets significantly impacted by COVID, they are going to end up opting out of the Olympics so that they can use that two-week period that currently is set aside for the Olympics for rescheduling NHL games. And so hopefully this is more of a one-time thing and a rare occurrence in the NHL, but if we start to see more and more teams sending a ton of players into COVID protocols, if games end up getting canceled and needing to be rescheduled, if this happens, you know, to a fair number of teams in the league, this could impact 
the NHL players going to the Olympics, which would suck. <laughs> it would really suck. I don't know about you, Marcus, but I'm a big fan of watching Canada play hockey in the Olympics. 2010, golden goal, overtime, Vancouver. Wow, what a moment. 2014, Sochi. I remember I was actually at university at the time, and I just remember like every game, profs would have the hockey game on behind them in lectures, and they're like, Make sure you stop me if there's a goal scored. I want to watch it. And, uh, you know, everyone just gets into it. And it's such a big thing here in Canada. And I'm really excited for it. I think there's going to be a fair amount of turnover compared to the guys that we saw in 2014 and 2010. Like, we're going to start to see some new guys come in and play on the team. And Connor McDavid finally playing for Team Canada. I'm pumped for the Olympics to come. This would suck. Oh, yeah. That would put a real... Uh, that'd be a real damper. That would just suck if they had to, if they opted out. Like you said, I think this is a time, like the Olympics is usually a time that Canada comes together as a nation to cheer on the team and cheer on all the Olympians for that matter. I think Canada definitely excels during the Oli- Winter Olympics. It's uh, it's something to look forward uh, to. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would say that's an understatement. Canada excels at the Olympics. Yeah, they won gold in 2010. They won gold in 2014. They won gold at the 2016 World I'm talking about Olympics in general. I mean, if you look at, like, the stats, Canada's not the, like, I think in the Summer Olympics, they they had, like, their best showing at, like, 30 medals or something like that. So we're not we're not a powerhouse or anything by any means. But in the winter, yeah, we do. We definitely do a little better. But we're not we're not the U.S. who will take, you know, take home, you know, as many golds as we have medals in total. Right. Okay. So you're not just talking about hockey, you're talking about Canada in the Winter Olympics. Yes, that's that's okay, where okay. I was going. That's why I said in the Olympics in general. Yeah, no, I wasn't just oh, saying okay. hockey. <laughs> for sure, hockey, yes, we've de- definitely dominated hockey for the past couple of years, but I meant more so... Gold or bust. Yes, <laughs> I meant more so just the Olympics like, in general. Okay, like the skeleton. I forget the guy's name. I don't know if you remember... 2010 Vancouver when the guy who did the skeleton won gold medal and then they did a bunch of interviews with him and he just chugged beers every <laughs> time he was on TV he would just grab a beer and chug it and try to get everybody going that was I've always I don't know about you I've always wondered like some of these obscure sports that you see in the Olympics where I'm like how do you start out in skeleton like when's when's the first time you get on a sled and you're like I'm gonna go head first down this icy path as fast as I can and hopefully nothing happens. Are you 10 years old? Are you 20 years old? Are, like, I just don't see how sometimes some of these sports, you're just like, yeah, that's, that's the one I'm going to Well, try. there's a reason why skeleton isn't as big as hockey, and you probably <laughs> hit the nail on the head right there. <laughs> it's a little more obscure, yeah. of course. Of course, of course. Yeah. Anyways, so I really hope the Olympics happens. I hope this COVID stuff is a little bit more under control. Obviously, more teams are going to be traveling this year. We are traveling within Canada and the United States. So hopefully there's no major outbreaks. Hopefully, you know, I know most teams, most teams are fully vaccinated. Um, I was listening to an interview with uh, Bill Daly, the, the deputy commissioner of the league, and he was saying under 15 players are unvaccinated and under 15 players will be unvaccinated by the start of the season. So it's a pretty wow. insignificant number if you're thinking about that. Yeah. There must be at least, what, 300, maybe 350 players in the league? 
Uh, I, I want to say figure? more, but yeah. Anyways, but less than 15. So if that's the case, if there are outbreaks, hopefully because most people are vaccinated, it happens quicker in terms of getting them back on the ice. And hopefully people don't actually get, you know, long-term effects or anything like that from, uh, from the virus. All right. I see you typing. Are you trying to search up the number of players in the NHL? It's about 713 or more. This was oh, okay. uh, a 31 team total. So you can add another. Oh. 20 odd players 18 yeah. okay okay cool so on the active you're roster saying that's active roster ah yeah so you're calling me out you're well like I'm double double wrong. so i'm saying that's really good in terms of they only have if you're saying they only have 15 that are less, less than. than 15 that are unvaccinated so that's you know that's really good that's really good 15 yeah. less than 15 out of 750 players we'll, we'll call it yeah that's that's great. Good percentages, good numbers. It's good. It's good for the league, right? Because you don't want those outbreaks. You don't want people slowing down and stopping. And you also don't want guys getting COVID, especially if they're unvaccinated. You don't want them to be severely impacted or affected. You don't want guys to end up, uh, you know, potentially getting seriously ill. So, next section here. Yeah. So there's been a definitely influx of contracts that have been handed out recently. Um, some real big contracts. I'd say um, we can talk about Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, sorry, um, Barkov, and most recently uh, Mika Zibanejad, your boy. My boy. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So what do you think about uh, Elias Pettersson getting uh, 7.35 million um, by three years? Yeah. I, I think when we're, because. If you're talking about Pedersen, sorry, Pedersen, Peterson? Uh, I think it's Pedersen. Have we established that? Pedersen. Or I think Pedersen. if you want to go like real Swedish, it's Elias Pettersen. Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, good job there, man. Fantastic. <laughs> well done. Um, so Pedersen and Hughes. I think it's important to note those guys were RFAs, restricted free agents, versus Barkov and Zbigniewicz. Those guys are at UFAs, unrestricted free agents. For Pedersen's deal, I, th- you know, I think what they did here is it looks super familiar to me. Do you, you remember that bridge deal that a guy named Braden Point signed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe we're talking about three years times $7 million for Braden Point. Here we're talking about three years, $7.35 million for Pedersen. So very similar contracts. It's more of that bridge deal. Mm-hmm. So the idea was we all know that the Vancouver Canucks are cap strapped. What that means is they are close to that hard cap. For those of you unfamiliar with the cap situation, I believe it's $81.5 million, $82.5 million. Basically, teams build their rosters. They can't go over that number. So if you give a guy, one guy on your team a $40 million cap hit, all of a sudden you only have $40 million left for you know 20 guys. So in this case, they only had roughly $15 million to play with because of the cap constraints that they had. So with Pedersen, it kind of makes sense to me. If they wanted a longer term, like maybe six, seven, even eight years, they would have had to pay way more money because you're buying up those free agent years. In this case, a little bit of a bridge deal saves the Canucks the opportunity to have a little more cap in the short and interim. And when he's up in three years, they're going to have to pay the guy. No, I I, I think you're right. He kind of had a little rocky season last year. He was injured. Uh, He only scored 21 points in 26 games. But the season before, he was like top 20 in scoring for forwards with 66 points and 68 games. So I think the ceiling, you could say, 
or you know the projection for Elias Patterson is going is maybe a little higher. I mean, Quinn Hughes is an amazing player, and I think he'll also you know he'll get better. But Elias Patterson, I think maybe they're predicting that he could be you know one of the top like top five forwards in the league. He has that that much skill. So I think um, by them giving him a bridge deal, it buys them some time. It allows the cap to get it to increase because uh, because of COVID, there's probably going to be a flat cap for the next couple seasons. So, you know, give him give him some good money right now, seven point three five million per year. But then you know you could see his next deal be over ten million. Yeah, that's really fair. And like you were saying, I guess <laughs> I guess you could consider it an off year last year. But with the injuries and and him only playing twenty six games. Yeah, obviously down, but he still had 21 points in 26 games. That is almost a point per game. And like you said, the season before, 66 points in 68 games. Yeah, we're, we're talking about essentially a point per game center in the National Hockey League, and those are hard to come by. Center position is a really important position, and people really cover cover Covet. Covet that position. <laughs> Not covered. Covet, covet that position. So, yeah. That's something that I think is really important. And then you look at the Quinn Hughes deal here, $7.85 million over six years. So slightly higher in terms of the value, the money. Uh, the cap hit, 7.85 versus Pedersen at 7.35. But we're talking about six years versus three years here. So a six-year deal is, is going to be buying up uh, unrestricted free agent years. So usually it's a little bit higher. If you take a look at the 7.85, I mean, compared to some of the other contracts that were handed out this summer to defensemen, you know, we talk about Darnell Nurse, you talk about Zach Wierenski, you talk about Seth uh, Jones. There was a whole bunch Dougie of Hamilton. Seth Jones, Dougie Hamilton, Kale McCarr. Um, there were some big, big number contracts handed out to defensemen this summer. At 7.85, I honestly feel like that's not bad for either the player or the team. It gives him some serious financial stability. He's making some good money in the six years that he's going to be there. And for the team itself, I mean, you're talking about Kale McCarr getting nine. You're talking about a guy here who really, last year, 41 points in 56 games. And the year before that, 53 points in 68 games. As a defenseman, right? This is easily top 10 numbers in terms of defenseman scoring points. To get him at that cap it, I think is really good for the team. I think it's going to help them. Um, and I'm really, I think in terms of the delay on signing these guys, I think for Hughes, maybe the delay was they offered him a certain amount of money that was a little lower, maybe closer to five or six million. And then Rasmus Dallin signed for six million a year over three years. And then Quinn Hughes and his camp went to the Canucks and said, um, yeah, we're going to need more money than Rasmus Dahlin just signed for. There's no way that Quinn Hughes is signing for less than Rasmus Dahlin, especially on a six-year deal versus a three-year deal. So, hey, th- those are my thoughts. What about you? Did I talk about everything or do you have anything to add here? Uh, I think you mentioned it. I think you hit the points. I think that's a fair – that's a really – not even just fair. I think that's a really good number to be able to sign Quinn Hughes at. He's an amazing defenseman, definitely one of the top scoring defensemen in the league. Like you said, he was tied for 10th in scoring for defense last season, and he's only going to get better. He's still very young at 21. I don't know what more there is to say on him. He sucks! (laughs) 
Oh man. His plus minus. Um, his plus minus. Okay. His plus minus is terrible. Minus twenty four. Yeah. Well, Vancouver as, was a bad NHL team last season. Yeah. As NHLers like to say, dashes. They like to say he was a dash. Ah, had a okay. lot of dashes. Yeah, you can't forget that or understate that. For those of you, I mean, there's there's a pretty big debate in the NHL in terms of the old school hockey thinkers and the more analytics-based crew. Plus minus is one of those statistics that is, I, I think most people would say, not valued very highly. It's there, you can look at it, you can see it, but I don't think a lot of people put stock into it. For those of you not familiar, if your team is on the power play and you score a goal, you do not get a plus one for that. So when you're talking about plus minus, you're talking about five on five hockey. So a lot of times it could be considered a little misconstrued. Like if you're talking about Quinn Hughes, he had 41 points. I don't have it in front of me, I'm sorry, but how many of those points were on the power play, right? So he was a minus 24, but then you got to consider he's also on the ice for a lot more goals than it shows. Plus minus is not something that a lot of people take too seriously anymore in the NHL. And yeah, Vancouver sucked last year, and I don't think they should have sucked as bad as they did. And I think they're going to do a lot better this year, which means Quinn Hughes' numbers will look even nicer. I wanted to talk about Barkov as well, Barkov yep. and Zabinijad. In terms of the contract sign, just so for those of you unaware, Barkov plays center for the Florida Panthers, and Mika Zabinijad plays center for the New York Rangers. So we're talking about two centers. We're talking about guys who have already signed, like a contract that has taken them into the later years. Barkov is 26 years old. I believe Zabinijad is 27, maybe 28 years old. So we're talking about guys that are different than like Pedersen and Hughes, right? Pedersen and Hughes are both super young, under 22. Those guys are signing kind of their first meal tickets. Barkov and Zabinijad have already signed contracts in the NHL that have recently expired, or sorry, will expire at the end of the season. And so these ones are kind of kicking in for next season. $10 million times eight years for Alexander Barkov and $8.5 million times eight years for Mika Zibanejad. So we're talking about some pretty significant contracts here, decent amount of money, $80 million for Barkov over the next eight years and Zibanejad as well, you know, making that 8.5 mil. That's uh, 64 mil plus an extra four, $68 million over eight years. That's a lot of money. Right, we're talking about some good dough, some good money going into the bank. Sorry if my math is wrong. By the way, I was trying to do it in my head quick, but some people might correct me or get mad at me because I did it wrong. Sorry about that. Barkov, what do you know about him, Marcus? He's a stud. He was drafted third overall by the Florida Panthers, and oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm already wrong second. there. He's second overall. There you go. Second <laughs> overall. Second overall by How the Florida Panthers. You? What what draft year was that? Uh, 2013. Do you know who was first? Who went first? Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> oh, Nathan McKinnon Barkov. Yeah. I think that was the year Duran was drafted too, if I, I'm not mistaken. I believe so. I think he would have been taken third or fourth. Maybe that was third. the Seth Jones. No, yeah, Seth Jones was drafted Third and fourth. then fourth was Seth Jones. And then fifth was uh, Elias Lindholm. That was the one year no that... Uh, I didn't know Lindholm. That was the one year was Edmonton didn't pick. get the first overall pick. Right? <laughs> Uh, and also the year Aaron Eckblad was selected for a Yes, yeah. Because I remember for years and years and years, there was always like 
Edmonton needs defense. Edmonton yeah. needs defense. Edmonton needs defense. They kept getting first overall picks, and every time, forward, forward, forward. Yeah. And then Ekblad was the consensus number one overall pick, and they didn't get the first overall pick. They got dry saddle, though. We digress. They got dry saddle that season. <laughs> yeah, that was worth it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, you can't complain about and, that. And, well, this in this draft, 2013, they got uh, Darnell there. So they did get a defenseman eventually. Oh, okay, never mind. But they got they their, number their number one, one like first overall defenseman. They never got that guy. Well, but, they got their number one defenseman. Yes, yes. No, no, for sure. For just sure. tell me I'm wrong, Marcus. Just just say it. Yeah. <laughs> they got dry saddle and nurse. What more do you want from them? They got Yakupov. Yeah, that was a different draft year. I know. I'm, I digress. I'm just kidding. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Alexander Barkov. He's probably one of the like top defensive centers as well out there. Very underrated for his defensive skills, but he's definitely he actually won the Selkie Trophy last year. Okay then. <laughs> Yeah. This, so, not underrated he has season. been recognized for his defensive skills and still so marcus I, i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to call you out here yeah no dude call um, me out I'm, i don't know my stuff i guess uh for those of you unfamiliar sorry just to follow up on that the selkie trophy is awarded to the best two-way center or defensive center in the nhl typically it is awarded to patrice bergeron but last year uh, alexander barkov won continue sorry for no that's okay that 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 i should have been cut off for that so that's good so he has been (laughs) recognized for his defensive skills but he is still very offensively gifted as well um even scoring a 96 point season in 2019 so that's that's pretty that's a lot of points right there four just four under 100 and the last season he's had uh 58 points in 50 games Uh, he's definitely a number one center on pretty much every team yeah i think uh i think that's that's an appropriate contract for a top guy like that he'll be i guess 34 when it uh, expires hopefully you know he'll still be just as productive then i think it's a good good for him you know he's gonna make 80 million dollars he deserves it he deserves it he absolutely deserves it no i agree with you honestly like you were saying right so 2017 18 78 points in 79 games then 96 points in 82 games 62 points in 66 games 58 points in 50 games like this guy has been super consistent putting the puck in the net point per game center and he won the best defensive two-way center in the game so you're talking about a guy who is phenomenal at stopping the other team from putting the puck in the net and is also able to put up point per game numbers and he's only 26 years old. So an eight-year contract, yeah, you know, sometimes you get those guys who are 28, 29, maybe even 30, and teams give them, you know, six to eight-year contracts, and you're like, oh, you know, for the next two, three years, that's great. But after that, it's going to come back to bite you. In this case, I don't think so. He's only 26. Like you said, it takes him to the age of 34. That is not unreasonable. He is worth every dime, every penny. You said he was maybe underrated or potentially not seen. I think in terms of NHL players, they know how good he is. But you're not wrong in making that statement in the sense that he plays for the Florida Panthers. And a lot of people don't really pay attention or follow the Florida Panthers. They have had issues in the past getting fans into the building. Florida Panthers. Sorry? Like people in Florida don't even pay attention to the Florida Panthers. Exactly. 
right? Like they have a hard enough time filling their own building. So if you have a hard enough time filling your own building, you know, it's it's understandable that around the league fans of the of the other NHL teams might not know a whole lot about the Florida Panthers. They're not one of the top big market teams. They don't get a ton of media attention. They don't get a ton of people following media. And from all accounts, Barkov seems like a pretty down-to-earth, quiet guy. You don't really hear about him in the news. You don't really hear any media stories about him. So it makes sense that a lot of people wouldn't realize how good he is and the fact that he's so good, he was able to win a Selkie trophy last year while putting up more than a point per game in terms of the point total. So, you know, I talked about it last podcast or maybe the first podcast about Jonathan Huberto and how people don't give him enough respect. Guess who plays center for Jonathan Huberto, who plays left wing? It is Alexander Barkov. I think the two of them are unbelievably talented and do not get nearly enough respect across the league when it comes to fans because like you were saying marcus and like we talked about now they are recognized by their peers other nhl players know how good these guys are i don't think enough fans know or would just no name recognition of these guys and talk about them at dinner time right incredibly talented hockey player worth every penny zibinajad zibby your boy (laughs) What's his DJ boy. handle? We, we should What's get his, his DJ, DJ handle up here. Um, for those of you who don't know, Mika Zibanejad is also a DJ. He has music. I've heard it on YouTube. I'm sure it's available in other places. Um, but yeah, if you never listen to him, he actually makes some decent music. I think, is there one called Heart or Heartless or Heart something? I believe he has a song with the word heart in it. Yeah, you should you should check it out. It's a good time. I have not uh, listened Mika to Mika Zibanejad. Um, but oh, really? No, I haven't. I haven't heard his songs. But I know he is a oh, DJ, man. and his DJ name is DJ Zbad. 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 It's like capital Z, nice. then capital B A D. Nice. Zbad. All right. Or do you say um, Zbad? As you're, and you're most of you probably know <laughs> Zibanejad because he is a hockey player who plays center for the New York Rangers, and he also put up a ton of points over the last few seasons so he highway robbery by the way this trade eh? ottawa senators traded zabinajad to the rangers i believe for Derek brassard maybe some picks involved along the way but yeah he broke out 2018-19 74 points in 82 games 2019-2020 he had that ridiculous 41 goals when he just caught fire 75 points in 57 games and then last season 50 points in 56 games his numbers are nuts he puts up a lot of points and i can't believe they got him for basically nothing so that was pretty cool yeah it was a mika zabinajad and a second round pick for Derek broussard and a seventh Wow, so not only <laughs> did they give up the better player, they also gave up the better draft pick in that same draft. Yes. What a phenomenal and, and, trade and by the New York Rangers. The Rangers managed to cut salary as well. So uh, at the time, Derek Broussard oh. was making $3 million and Mika Zabinajad was making two point six two five. So they shaved off $375,000 and got, the, oh. <laughs> got their number one center for the next several seasons man what a what a steal of a trade unbelievable because it's been a jed uh those of you wondering we keep saying my boy i've talked about in previous podcasts i was super high on him 
the I guess it would have been 2018 2019 when he broke out for the first season a lot of people didn't buy it so 2018 19 I got him super late in drafts and then again 2019 2020 people were like oh no must have been a fluke yeah he put up 41 goals and then last season I actually traded for him mid-season he had a horrific first half of the season and then in the second half of the season he had a five goal game and then Got that was like normal. halfway through the season and then he just didn't stop scoring so that was awesome because he carried my team well i should say Connor mcdavid carried my team but Connor mcdavid and second half of season because of benajad as my centers yeah yeah i i did win did win fantasy i think i mentioned that uh you know once or twice on the podcast <laughs> already no, no big deal um, contract 8.5 mil over eight years. I mean, he's 27, 28. So yeah, maybe that carries you a little bit into the to mid to late thirties. Maybe the last few years of this contract aren't great. Um, I did look it up. This has a full no move trade on it. The only exception is after during the last season of this eight year contract. So in the eighth year, there is a partial no move. So there are certain teams that he'll be able to be traded to, but that means essentially for seven years, full no move clause on an eight point five million dollar contract. What do you think, Marcus? I think, I think it's a good, it's it's okay. I'm not in love with him as being your number one guy. I think he would be an amazing number two center. I don't think he's quite at number one level. Just looking based at points, to be honest with you, but. I think that's just the price you pay for a center, a center who can either be your number one, number two guy, 8.5 million. I think that's just the going rate. Not in love with it. I'm not in love with him as much as you are. I think he's a very good player. Don't get me wrong. Maybe I wish I had him on my fantasy team a couple, couple years, but (laughs) I don't know. I don't, I think the Barkov deal, you you get more, get more out of Barkov than Zbigniew and that's why he's getting paid one and a half million dollars more. Yeah. And he's two years younger. And so Barkov is two years younger, correct. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree with you. I think in this case, it, it definitely in the later parts of the contract, I think this might be a little hard, especially as I mentioned with the no movement in place. But at the end of the day, he is a number one center. And that's what position he plays. That's where he plays for the New York Rangers. He has put up essentially a point per game over the last three seasons, respectable numbers across the league. And he clearly plays well with uh, Panarin, right? Um, So that's one of those things where 8.5 sounds like a lot, but then you remember, you know, William Nylander makes seven. And as a winger who doesn't put up a point per game, the center position is more valuable and he puts up more points on a, on a regular than somebody like that. So you can see why it goes up to 8.5 as opposed to that, you know, $7 million range. And, you got to respect it. You got to respect the money he's made. He earned it. He broke out a few seasons ago and he proved to everybody it wasn't a fluke. So I'm glad to see him get it. I think at the end of the day, the Rangers are going to be competing within the next five years for a Stanley Cup. And maybe they just don't care about the last three years of this eight year deal. And they figure future New York Rangers will deal with it. Yeah, that's fair. So on to our Leafs talk section of the podcast. As you know, we're hometown Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Live in, well, born in Toronto. <laughs> Some of us born live in Toronto. Born and raised. Live in, yes. live in Ontario. Big Leafs fans. Bleed blue, <laughs> needless to say. 
the Leafs have made a bunch of cuts, and we can see that Josh Hosang, who uh, got a PTO at the beginning, got sent down to the Marlies. Actually, signed with the Marlies, so that's good. I think he'll he may get an opportunity throughout the season to come bring some energy if he gets called up if there's some injuries. Nick Robertson actually got sent down to the Marlies, but I don't think he'll be there long. Uh, he'll probably get called up eventually because he's he brings a lot of energy and he can definitely put the puck in the net. Uh, looks like uh, that Nick wrist went, shot. Sorry, you were saying that wrist shot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very good shot. And he's always and he's been like a guy who's who just wants to learn and just improve and get better and and he really wants to make the NHL. So I think that's that's the kind of guy that you want in your organization that you know will definitely put in the effort to make the team or do whatever it needs to whatever it needs to be done. Uh, also, you got uh, Nick Rich, the signings from the offseason. You got Nick Ritchie, uh, Andre Kasha, and Michael Bunting. Is it Michael? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so they'll be they'll be getting their shots. Um, they they all made the team as well as Kampf, David David Kampf. Um, so they're all going to Kampf. So they'll be on the team. Uh, unfortunately, you saw that Ilya Mikheyev will be out for the next eight weeks with a broken thumb. And uh, Austin Matthews, he'll he'll be missing the first three games of the regular season with the wrist injury or wrist surgery that he had earlier in the off season. And uh, Jack Campbell's going to be our starting goalie. Do you have any thoughts on soup? Yeah. What do you? Well, didn't you hear in his in the all or nothing? That's kind of a basic yeah. nickname. Well, <laughs> it's because his last name's Campbell. Yeah. No, I, I mean soup. I get it. I get it. I'm I'm just saying. But they all call him Soup. Yeah. Oh yeah. So he's heard it everywhere. I'm nickname, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure everywhere he's gone. Seems to be a, a pretty standard thing when it comes to hockey players. Yeah. Campbell. If your last name is Campbell, soup. you're soup. Although Mikheyev also used to be known as soup, kinda. Because he uh, in oh, an yeah. interview a couple of years ago when I think when he first joined the team, they were asking him about something and then he just said, I really like soup. Or something. It's like, do what do you miss about like your hometown or something? And he's like, I really, <laughs> I really like soup or something. I don't, I don't know the exact uh, quote, soup. but he basically said he really likes soup. Um, Got a couple of soup players right on, now. The, on the Leafs. Yes, I was gonna say let's just, let's just settle this right now. I, I'm a I'm a big soup guy. Are you a soup guy? Uh, like chicken noodle or mushroom or doesn't matter, man. <laughs> just soup. Do oh, you just like soup, soup in general. Or, or like I, soup? I wasn't sure if you were talking about Jack Campbell and. If I'm a big Jack Campbell fan or, oh, or I'm actual sorry. No, soup. Not the nickname. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about actual soup, like eating soup. Do you enjoy soup? Uh, it's good, but I, I don't think I'm, it's not my go-to or anything. I mean, I, I like uh, a good okay, bowl okay. of ramen I, and pho. Pho? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I'm not, I don't need to have it with every meal. Fair enough. Yeah. No, for me, I'm a big soup guy. I really like soup. My grandma used to make soup all the time growing up and stuff, so... It'd be like lentil soup and chicken rice soup and, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe them all necessarily in English because she would always Greek say soups. the names in Greek yeah. and stuff. So, you know, fasolada, fuck yes, and, you know, all that kind of stuff, uh, which was awesome. And then my father-in-law makes a ton of soup too, which is great. So I'm in the basement right now trying to keep it down a little bit because the little guy's sleeping upstairs and staring at my freezer over there and i know it is full of soup oh yeah <laughs> uh, big time fan got some chicken noodle soup got some uh sweet potato soup in there got some Mor- moroccan chickpea soup oh wow and Quite got the selection. some uh, some cabbage soup as well do you have a favorite so yeah ah uh, yeah that's hard 
That's hard. Like, do you have depends a go-to, on like, the mood? Like, maybe not your favorite, but like the it, go-to soup, the one that you know you're you just got home and it, like it was raining outside and you would just want to warm up <laughs> and there's just that hearty soup that you look to that you're just you see it in the shelf or you see it out of the fridge you're just gonna pull that one. You don't care about anything else. You get tunnel vision for that soup. <laughs> um, yeah, that that's tough. I think like growing up for sure, I would say fuck yes, which which would be green lentil soup. Mm-hmm. So green lentil soup. Um, Is it my like grandma a would make it salty? How how you describe? Yeah, it? yeah. Just green lentils. Uh, Is there like chicken <laughs> I, or salt yeah, meat or no, no. There's there's it? no meat. Okay, no, no. It's vegetarian. Vegetarian. Yeah. Um, yeah. She grew up in a small farm area in greece and stuff like they, they didn't have a ton of money so meat wasn't something that they ate every day right like it was something every once in a while so the green lentil soup it's it's just like the basic kind of salt pepper onions a bit of garlic um you would throw in some tomato sauce that would be homemade of course because they make their own tomato sauce and then you would put in the bay leaves as well kind of let that simmer let that go from there you can always add in, uh, sorry, near the end. So like once it's already cooked, it's simmering all good. You add a bit of uh, red wine uh, vinegar, hmm. add that in. Nice. So there's like kind of like a specific amount. You don't want too much, yeah. but you don't want too little. And you don't want to put it in too early. You have to wait till it's like later on. So my grandma obviously was very good at that. I would say that was my favorite. I would cut up some uh, some Greek cheese. Uh, mm. It's like really like salty kind of cheese, I mm. guess similar to parmesan sort of yeah and yeah you would just cut that up you would throw that in a little bit too and we always had bread bread Mm. and cheese was always just there just yeah with any meal you could always have bread and cheese you'll have to make that bread and cheese yeah good time good time that's my favorite in terms of the go-to that's one i like my mom makes it really good too Mm -hmm. so luckily unfortunately my grandma passed so can't get it from her anymore but still still lives on in uh, terms of my mom making it, which is awesome. But yeah, other times, like when I'm not feeling good, mm-hmm. for sometimes not my fault reasons and sometimes my fault reasons, uh, chicken noodle soup or just yeah, sometimes I'll just drink chicken broth if I really <laughs> if I really can't stomach anything else. So those well, are my go-tos. Okay. I mean, people drink broth, like bone broth all the time. And like in the morning, they'll have a cup of bone broth and stuff. Very understandable yeah. to drink chicken broth. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Honest, yeah, I'm a fan. <laughs> Anyways, this all came from the nickname for Jack Campbell, Soup. But maybe we want to get back to the talk here. McKayev being out eight weeks, that sucks. I know he had asked for the trade in the offseason, or I guess, yeah, pretty late in the offseason, not early on. And the team kind of reassured him, no, you are part of our plans. We really want you on the team. And so they basically politely told him no we're not going to trade you but you know we'll make sure that you get playing time that kind of thing so they i know in some of the preseason they were actually throwing him up on the first and second line just to see what he could do and give him that opportunity i mean everybody talks about this guy they talk about he possesses all of the skills you need to be a very good hockey player the one thing he lacks is a shot so essentially being able to actually put the puck in the back of the net but skill is skating he apparently is a phenomenal skater i'm sure most leaf fans remember that game uh against the oilers 
I, I know it was the end of McDavid's shift, granted, but McKayev actually outskated McDavid and retrieved a puck ahead of him. So he is a phenomenal skater. He has all the skills and possessions available. The Leafs loved him on the third line as more of a defensive forward playing in that crew where, you know, there's not necessarily as much responsibility in terms of putting the puck on the back of the net or expectations, I should say. But they kind of got handcuffed here because they would love him on the third line and they want to keep him on the third line but because he asked for the trade and they said no we see you having a a strong role here they kind of i feel like they almost felt obligated to at least give him a shot on on one of the top in a top six role right so he's out now for eight weeks by the time he comes back is there going to be guys already positioned that role like does a guy like nick ritchie seamlessly fit on the top line with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and they're not going to want to take him off that line anymore you just you don't know what's going to end up happening so being out eight weeks sucks for him sucks for the team and I I don't know if I think he's going to end up getting buried in terms of being more of a depth piece down the line but I think this hurts his chances of being a top six forward for the Leafs I think by the time he gets back two months into the season there's going to be a pretty good flow and understanding of what's happening and I think he'll probably end up slotting into a bottom six role so yeah I don't know what do you think about the McKay injury yeah I think it's very unfortunate for him especially um, he has had some kind of serious injuries since his tenure as a Toronto Maple Leaf he got that horrendous wrist injury where his like wrist was sliced yeah. open and freak accident yeah too. oh yeah i mean definitely not on purpose or anything like that but mm-hmm. and then now breaking his thumb these are all like i guess key parts of the shooting mechanic which sucks for him i mean i don't you can't i don't i'm not gonna say that's why he can't shoot but you know it, it takes time to like get back strength in your hand or after those kind of injuries it plays into it for yeah. sure like you, you can't say it doesn't affect his ability to shoot the puck the way that he wants to shoot the puck. There's just no way. So yeah, wrist injury. Now the finger injury, like we'll see what happens, but it it seems like he may need a little more time. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Right. Mm -hmm. But at least with like a broken thumb, he can still work out a lot and everything. So I don't think, uh, I don't think his conditioning will be hurt too much. Getting his shot back. That will definitely take time. I think there is opportunity on the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think we have any, locked in players like you said for those like top two wing spots talking about to play with austin matthews and mitch marner slash second line would be or you know one one b line Tavares and nylander um so those those spots are available and with the departure of zach hyman you know that's why i think the leafs brought in those kind of players um nick ritchie andre kasha and michael bunting all players that can move up move down they give you that hustle play they'll play hard and they can definitely all probably score in that top nine role. They can move up. You can switch them out. You know, one's not not doing too well, not as hot. You can slot them down and lower into the, the lineup, and then you just bring up another one. And I think McKayev kind of falls in with those guys. He does have uh, some, he does have, I guess, some seniority at least maybe in the Toronto organization. And like you said, they were mm-hmm. giving him a shot during the preseason it's just unfortunate in his case especially when you know he was reassured and I think he is he is an important part you know you're not going to win with just Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner John Tavares and Nylander obviously they play a big role but you definitely you see those Stanley Cup teams they always have that those third line fourth line guys that just take it to the next level in the playoffs and they they net you a couple important goals and 
um, that's, I think, what the leadership or the Toronto Maple Leafs are looking for from Mikheyev, to be able to score some big goals when needed. Yep. That's very fair. I, I think it's that that might be the case. But the other thing to keep in mind is they they actually have, not listed, but they were putting Kampf as the third-line center, and they were putting, uh, I think, Spezza as the fourth-line center. But they were actually playing Kerfoot on the wing. So if you're talking about those top six roles and you're talking about those top two winger positions, I think Richie and uh, Kerfoot in that case are probably the top two candidates in that role. And even though Mikheyev has that seniority, like you mentioned, he's been with the team. They know him a little bit. The coaches know him. They've played for him before. I I think they maybe see those other guys a little bit higher on the depth chart than Ilya Mikheyev. So we'll see what happens at the end of the day. It's all premature because we won't actually see him on the ice for another eight weeks, yeah. unfortunately. No, so you're totally right in, in, in Kerfoot. I mean, I, I did forget to mention him. So, you know, the Leafs have a lot of winger options, but I, I wouldn't say that's still like a all said and done or deal shut, like doors closed. So I think all those players for sure. have the opportunity to move up and move down. So are you saying you disagree with me? <laughs> I'm agreeing with you in that Kerfoot... And uh, Nick Ritchie look to be the higher on the depth chart. But I think at the same time that I'm going to disagree in that everybody has an opportunity to move up and down on those lines. All right. Well, I appreciate the opinion, of course. Um, Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think we'll see what happens. I, I personally don't see him as a top six forward i don't see him as a top single winger on this team on the maple leafs i think they just have way too much skill and ability up front and unless they end up flipping kerfoot back down to the center position i see him playing up in that top six role and i really see uh those other guys having a little bit more of a chance but talking about matthews missing the first few games that's gonna suck he is uh you know one of if not the best player on the team um you know some people argue that Mitch Marner could be considered the best player on the team. I think Matthews is the most skilled player in the context of just putting the puck in the net, man. How do you replace this guy? He was the Rocket Richard Trophy winner last year. He put up a ridiculous, like, 41 goals in 50, what, two games? Like, absolutely insane numbers. I think he's going to score 60. And, yeah. He's going to score 60. Yeah. Maybe not not this season, but he's going to score 60. He's going to be a 60-goal yeah. scorer in the NHL, no doubt about it. I think well, the last person to do it is probably Stamkos. I think so. And funny enough, you know, Stamkos, same thing. Like, he just has had a hard time staying healthy. But if Stamkos was healthy and played 82 games in two, three seasons in a row, you never know, right? But Matthews can put the puck in the back of the net. He takes on some of the better defensive players from the other team, which leaves the other guys on the team more opportunity to score on some weaker lines. He is going to be sorely missed. I certainly hope that it's more just maintenance. He like, hey, he had the surgery. He's working back. He just needs a few more days. Let's give him an extra week, and we'll go from there. Because they're talking about missing two or three games. Don't forget the Leafs play on back-to-back nights to start the season. They play Wednesday, and then they play again Thursday. So him missing two games, you know, they play back-to-back nights. Of course, if he's going to miss one, he's going to miss both. So hopefully he's back soon. I think Jack Campbell is the starter. I do think they're going to give him the reins to start the season. I think he earned it by being their starter last year, by taking over and becoming their starter last year. And 
We mentioned this last time. He was not the problem in the playoffs. Yeah, you know he let in one bad goal in that last game, but it didn't matter, man. That team was not there and ready to compete in Game 7 against Montreal. The only guy who was was Jack Campbell, Mr. Soup. So I think they're going to give it to him, and I think he's going to run with it, and it's going to be internal competition. And it's I think it's almost kind of funny because last year, Jack Campbell was the second goalie trying to push the first goalie and eventually took over the starter role. Now he's going to have Mrazek come in, and Mrazek's going to kind of play that same role that Jack Campbell played last year. The biggest difference really to me is Mrazek has been a 1B in the NHL for a number of years. He's used to being in a tandem. He's used to having a second goalie who is also a good goalie. I think he'll be a seamless fit. I think it'll work out. But three years at almost $4 million, he's not going to be a backup. Like He's not going to only play you know, five to 10 games for this team, they paid him that money and they gave him that term because they want him to play games. So I think it'll be a little bit more of a split, but I do still see Jack Campbell as the starter. If the playoffs were to start tomorrow, Jack Campbell's the guy, right? Jack Campbell's the guy at this point. And I think he's owed that. I think he's earned that. And I think the guys in the dressing room respect him and want him to be the starter for the time being. That's that's what's going to happen at this point. I think that's what's going to happen at this point. And mm-hmm. if Mrazek starts to play better, then maybe Mrazek gets some more starts here and there. But at the end of the day, Mrazek has had injuries in the past and injury issues. So you never know. He might end up on the shelf at some point. And that's why we have uh, Mr. Hutch. Hutchison is down in the minors right now playing for the AHL team. But I think the Leafs recognized last year after so many goalie issues that you want a third goalie yeah. who's has some experience in the NHL. For sure. And he, he played pretty well last season as the third guy. He even had a shutout. Yeah. I think we're, we got a pretty good goalie uh, tandem um, going in for this season. Perfect. Okay. I want to talk about the new capacity limits in Ontario. So the Ontario government, those of you who don't know, is the provincial government here. They have announced that sports arenas and venues are allowed to be at 100% capacity. The last update before that was 50%. So they're literally going from 50% to 100%. That's a significant jump. That's a lot more people in the stands. The Leafs building holds just shy of 20,000, which means they're going from roughly 10,000 to 20,000. Mind you, they did not have 10,000 in that arena last year. So they're actually going... 500 for that game seven playoff game yeah so they're going from having 500 fans in the stands to having 20,000 fans in the stands it's going to be an adjustment it's going to be crazy i wonder if if the canadian teams are almost going to be at a disadvantage compared to the american teams because a lot of the american teams did have fans back in the stands last year at least to some degree or some capacity whereas the canadian teams pretty much nothing until the playoffs so I'm curious to see how they react to it. I'm curious to see if the American teams are a little more used to it. I'm doing air quotes for those of you wondering. Um, But at the end of the day, they're NHL players. They're used to fans in the building. So hopefully hopefully they're okay with it. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a disadvantage. I think they're going to be excited. They're going to feed off the energy. I think it's going to make a big impact for those Canadian teams. All teams, uh, if they have a full capacity venue, I think it, it, they all, all the players have gotten so used to 
um, you know, obviously before COVID, the the whole the buzz, the arena, the all the fans just yelling and screaming and you know cheering them on. So I think I don't think they're there's they're not gonna get distracted with somebody yelling at them. They, you know they relish that. They're gonna really bring their game and they'll step it up too. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited because I feel like sometimes there was games last year where certain players just they just couldn't bring themselves to come up to that competition and you know having 20,000 fans screaming and yelling yeah that's gonna get your blood pressure going that's gonna get your blood flowing that's gonna make sure that you're involved in the game from the very first puck drop to the last puck drop at the end of the game so hopefully it just enhances the experience it enhances their willingness and their their want and drive to win games and yeah hopefully that's awesome I know there's been some people who are actually a little bit upset with this new announcement I'm just talking about Ontario. For those of you who don't live in Ontario, Ontario has been extraordinarily strict with COVID mandates and COVID rules um, throughout this entire pandemic, like way more so than any other province in Canada and definitely more so than most states in the United States. So to go from 50% to 100% just like that, that's a huge jump. And the reason some people are upset is because there's a lot of things that are still limited capacity here in Ontario that just seem like they might be a little more, I don't know, important to like everyday Ontarians, like not just hockey fans. So I could see how non-hockey fans or maybe just casual hockey fans would be like, you know, do we really need 20,000 people shoulder to shoulder with masks off, drinking beer, eating food? They're supposed to have masks on, by the way, but if they're eating or drinking, obviously they can have it off. I understand that, the limitations. I understand that aspect of it. And it's definitely frustrating, but at the end of the day, as a hockey fan and someone who's planning on watching on TV and not actually going to the arena, I'm pretty excited for 20,000 fans. Maybe that's selfish of me to say, but I'm pretty excited. I don't know about you, Marcus. Uh, I don't think it's selfish. I think, you know, obviously you, you still get to choose if you want to go to the game. And yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying in that hockey's not priority or it's weird that, you know, they get 100% capacity and they can, you know, view the games and everything, but certain other things or other sporting events, maybe not on the quiet level of professional, just they, they can't even have any spectators or something like that. Obviously, I think that, yeah, there's, it's not equal there, but I think it's, it's a good step in the right direction to getting back to normal for you know, with yeah. Toronto, Toronto being the lockdown capital of the world. I think it's, it's just good to see. Obviously there's lots of other things that need to get opened up or whatnot so that we can kind of get back into that before COVID lifestyle, but it's just good to see either way. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's going to happen eventually. Right. So let's see, let's see how it goes. Anyways, hockey is hockey. And in Toronto, it is very important to a lot of people. That's pretty awesome. Oh, and also, <laughs> I guess uh, the Ottawa Senators also <laughs> play in Ontario. Well, they so. don't need the 50%. It doesn't matter. They're still not going to have. <laughs> I saw uh, something on our Twitter account, actually. Uh, I liked it, but uh, someone posted, like, Ontario increased capacity to from 50% to 100%. This means the Toronto Raptors and Toronto Maple Leafs can go from having 10,000 fans in the building to 20,000 fans in the building. 
And then it's like the Ottawa Senators can go from having 9,300 fans in the building to having 9,340 <laughs> fans in the building. <laughs> and uh, I was just laughing because uh, for those of you who are not familiar, the Ottawa Senators have a very hard time filling their arena to the point that when they were in the conference finals against the Pittsburgh Penguins a few years ago, they did not sell out their arena in the conference finals in a playoff it's series crazy to think about. against vintage Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. They pushed them to overtime of game seven. That's yeah. how good that Ottawa Senators team was with uh, the Hamburglar when he yeah. went like 20-1 and one or something ridiculous to finish the season. But mm-hmm. yeah, anyways, kind of funny. To- yeah, I think, I think with Ottawa, I think they're... The location of their rink is just terrible, and you know it's just not conducive. Where like a lot of people just aren't going to go that far to go see the Ottawa Senators play, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, I don't know enough about it. I know it's in Canada, or yeah, Canada. That's I believe that's yeah. how you pronounce it. Yeah. So hopefully they can get arena maybe downtown Ottawa. Maybe that'll make a difference. But Eugene, Eugene, Eugene. We'll see what happens with Mister Eugene. Welcome to our fantasy talk now. So today we're going to be talking about still a couple of players that you can still pick up or pick during your draft if you still haven't drafted yet. Um, we're going to be looking at players to avoid, some value picks, and some sleeper picks. So I'm going to I'm gonna kick it off with you, Sean, and you're going to start with uh, some value. I think we're going to talk about some late round value. I think um, in our live drafts, we we're definitely talking about some early value. So we're going to start with some late late round value. So you can start first. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pu- let's push it here. Right. Like we're we're going to some of the later rounds. So probably some late round value here. I am going to talk about number one on this list, uh, Matt Grishlick. So he plays defense for the Boston Bruins. Those of you who are unfamiliar last year, he got a ton of power play time and was actually on the top pairing with uh, Charlie McAvoy, McAvoy for a while. Excuse me. And they ended up splitting them up as well. They ended up playing on the first and second line. Uh, which ended up being one of a 1A, 1B type style. McAvoy is the clear-cut number one defenseman in Boston. That is not what I am arguing here. What I'm arguing here is as a fantasy option, someone who is being drafted in like the 14th round of drafts, average pick at 161.1, he gets a ton of points. So if you're in a fantasy league, goals and assists are important to you. Check out this defenseman if you need defensemen late in the draft. He was somebody that was picked up by a lot of guys last year and ended up staying on their teams for the majority of the season. Awesome. For me, I think I'm going to pick, I'm going to go with uh, Pavel Bucinevich on St. Louis. Yes, right? he was traded from the Rangers yes. to St. Louis in the yes. offseason. I think he definitely provides some late round value. Uh, his... ADP on Yahoo was, or average draft position in Yahoo was 163 when we wrote this down. I think he he's going to get top line time. He did towards the end of the season with St. Louis last season. So I think he's he's definitely a guy to look at to give you some later round value to get you some points, shots. He'll get you a lot of those scoring type categories. Great pick. I love him. I was talking about him. I liked him on... Uh the Rangers last year too. And he was one of the guys who fought in the, the game right after Panarin got smashed into the ice uh, by your boy, Tom Wilson. 
The next guy I want to talk about here is Chandler Stevenson. Those of you who are not familiar, Chandler Stevenson is center slash left, but he plays center for Las Vegas. So he plays for the Golden Knights. He actually plays on that top line. He was on the top line near the end of last season and into the playoffs. Unfortunately, he got hurt. He missed some time in the playoffs. But Chandler Stevenson plays between Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. Anybody who plays with Max Stone and Max Pacioretty is going to get points. Chandler Stevenson is current. Well, he was currently going at the 170 mark and somewhere in like the mid to late 14th round in a lot of leagues. Chandler Stevenson is a flex center slash left. He's going to get points. He's going to get faceoff wins. He's going to get some time with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. What more do you want to hear? Good late round value. Uh, for my next pick, I would say uh, Jared McCann. Goes a little higher than Chandler Stevenson on average at 168. Just probably pick right before. Uh, he is a center left wing for Seattle this season. Unfortunately, he did get flagged for the um, COVID protocol. So he will be missing a couple games potentially um, right at the beginning of the season. But I think he's poised to be one of the top scorers for Seattle. He was selected from the Toronto Maple Leafs, but he <laughs> played with uh, Pittsburgh last season, I think. Uh, Yahoo's projecting him for 22 goals, 28 assists for this season. So I think he's a, a good late round guy that he'll he'll be scoring some points with Seattle. So definitely somebody uh, has to. Yeah, exactly. Somebody's got to get some points. Yeah, he, he's one of those guys that Pittsburgh didn't want to lose him for nothing. So they traded him to the Leafs for a couple prospects right before the draft. The Leafs did it as insurance policy because they didn't want to lose Alexander Kerfoot. And it, it worked out. They ended up keeping Alexander Kerfoot and the Kraken selected McCann. They figured if Kerfoot was selected because they wanted a center instead, that they would be left with McCann, which is also a good player. Um, good pick, though. The next one I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about Mr. Josh Norris. He plays center for the Ottawa Senators. For those of you looking for a late-round center, if you followed my fantasy strategy wait 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 on centers because there are so many josh norris had 17 goals 18 assists last season and 14 power play points this guy is playing with the better players on the Ottawa senators he is putting the puck in the back of the net he gets hot he gets streaky so there was a couple times last year where i picked him up five six games in a row where he would get points and in those five or six games you would see like four power play points so he's a guy to keep an eye on if you want to draft him late in a draft that's great if your draft is already done still somebody to keep an eye on when the season goes on you know you throw guys onto the ir you need to pick up a guy for a week or something like that josh norris is the perfect candidate to keep in mind and to take a look at when you're thinking about that yeah i think josh norris definitely provides um some good value later round and is a guy that you could pick up off waivers most likely or he didn't get picked up too much and his average uh, adp was 178 for my last guy in the mid to late round value picks i would probably go with calvin peterson on the la kings their goaltender and should be their starting goaltender for this season their number one guy uh, unfortunately he is on the kings but the kings are in a pretty weak division so he'll definitely be seeing some play time against san jose anaheim uh, which are some teams that you can definitely pick up some wins on he is projected for 23 wins and like a 2.28 goals against average with a 918 save percentage so that's some pretty good numbers 
for a goaltender who probably won't be getting too many wins, all things considering. He's not going to be a 30-35 win guy, but still could be a good spot starter every now and then if you see that the LA Kings are playing against a weaker team. I'd go with uh, Calvin Peterson. Yeah, that's great. Great pick. Great advice. And the thing to keep in mind, too, is it also depends on who you drafted earlier on in your draft. If you already have a bona fide starting goaltender, maybe you were lucky enough to get Vasilevsky. Maybe you went and grabbed a guy like Hellebuck. You know you're going to get a lot of starts. You know you're probably going to get a decent amount of wins. Here's a guy that's just going to help your goals against average and your save percentage. So if you're looking at those. But, you know, if you got a guy like UC Saros, for example, early on, He's a guy who might not get you a ton of wins, but is going to get you that save percentage and he's going to get you that goals against average. So maybe you don't want to stack him with UC Saros. You're never, you never really know, right? But he's available in most drafts. He's actually not drafted in a lot of leagues as well. So that's an important note as well. So let's move on here. We're going to move on to sleeper picks. So this is like even after all the late value. So after the six guys we just mentioned, here are some guys who are pretty much not really drafted in most leagues not really held on by most uh, people in most leagues so you want to go first marcus who's your first guy up as a sleeper pick sure i'm gonna go with the um all trusty phil castle phil the thrill uh, yeah <laughs> he's only rostered in 19 percent of uh, yahoo leagues right now i think uh phil castle definitely he should have a bounce back i mean from compared to last season so he should give you a lot of uh, late round or free agent value for that matter you know he's always good for a lot of shots and he'll he'll definitely get those points he's not an on as a strong team um, with phoenix but you know he's the guy in phoenix he's gonna still be putting up numbers he's projected for 18 goals 30 assists but uh he'll probably surpass 20 20 goals yep. he also get he will get you some power play points too i was gonna say don't forget those power play points He's definitely going to be on that power play. And the last thing to keep in mind is this is his last season of this contract, the eight-year contract he ended up signing with Toronto. So there is about a 99% chance he gets traded midseason and probably goes to a contending team where he'll end up playing with some better players. So that's something to keep in mind. If if nobody has him, he doesn't get drafted, maybe midseason you think closer to the trade deadline you might want to pick up a guy like that and just see hey maybe he gets traded to a contender and all of a sudden he's playing with some top guys again putting the puck in the mm-hmm. net maybe yes, for sure maybe he goes back to pittsburgh who knows yeah <laughs> i mean he did like surpass what 100 points or very close to 100 points when he played with uh pittsburgh a couple seasons ago he got 92 sorry yeah still phenomenal phenomenal numbers Okay, I want to talk about Alex Texier. Okay, he plays for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He is a center slash left. He is owned in 1% of Yahoo Leagues. 1%. Nobody knows who this guy is. Um, there was a lot of talk last season about Max Domi. Max Domi, Max Domi, Max Domi coming into Columbus. He's going to play finally in a number one center role. They're going to give him that opportunity. It didn't really work. He didn't really fit that role. He didn't fit what they wanted him to. He didn't actually end up playing with Patrick Liney. Do you know who did? <laughs> Alex Texier. Okay, And he is projected and slotted in to play with 
Line A again this year. Line A and probably Bjorkstrand. So those are some of the top players on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Again, these are sleeper picks, guys that are going to be late, late round values. These are guys who are not really owned by other guys in other leagues. So even if you pick them up as a free agent throughout the year, this is the kind of guy that you want to put that little star if you use Yahoo, the blue star, the watch one, just to see how he does. Maybe pick him up as the season goes on. If he starts to really play with those guys and starts to get some chemistry, he could be a guy where 1% turns into 50% or 60%, depending on how he starts out the season. Awesome. I just remember him burning us when uh, we played Columbus in the playoffs. Yeah, he had a ridiculous play playoffs. Yeah. Against the Toronto Maple Leafs, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. For my next guy, uh, I'm going to go with for my next sleeper pick will be Jordan Koiru. Koiru? Koiru, I think is how it's pronounced, on St. Louis. He had kind of a little breakout last season with 14 goals, 21 assists, 35 points in, in that shortened season. of 50, He played 55 games. I think he's Great. the yeah he's a center right wing on Yahoo so I think he, he can give you some face offs but you know I think he'll def definitely be you know giving you those uh, secondary secondary points some secondary scoring for the St Louis Blues so he'll he'll definitely give you some extra points down the stretch and, and only I, and I think, owned in ten percent of leagues right yep, now only owned in ten percent and I think also that he can. He can break out or you know he he may get some uh, extra ice time or you never know he could take it to the next level absolutely i agree with you the next person i want to talk about is it's a sleeper pick in the context that he is not drafted in a whole lot of leagues 19 percent of leagues tyler johnson center slash right wing okay he for years was kind of buried on the depth chart with the Tampa Bay Lightning, back-to-back -back Stanley Cup champion. He has been a phenomenal playoff performer for them for years, even those couple of years where they made the conference finals but didn't quite push through. The reason that it is important to keep an eye on Tyler Johnson this year is because he is playing on the Chicago Blackhawks now. They traded for him. He is over there, and he is currently slated to play with Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkit. Okay? If he is playing with those guys, he is going to get points. He is going to get the opportunity to feed the puck to them and to get the puck fed to him. If anybody played with those two guys, I would be telling you to keep an eye on them. And in this case, it looks like it is going to be Tyler Johnson of the Chicago Blackhawks. And he is only owned in 19% of leagues. Yeah, I remember back in the day when Tampa Bay was first breaking out or uh, you know, becoming the team that they are. And Tyler Johnson was there and he was... He was a guy to look out for. So I think he he had uh, I think he had a wrist injury in one of their playoff runs a couple of years ago when they didn't win the cup. Um, but he he still was very effective. But he just didn't really have a shot. But obviously I think he's healed a lot since then. And I think now that he's gonna have way more opportunity on Chicago, I think you you could see some good numbers coming out from him. Absolutely. So for my last sleeper pick, Philip Hronik. Hronik, uh, H R O N E K. Uh, he's a defenseman on Detroit. He is rostered on 32%, so it's a little higher. But if you are playing without plus minus, I think this is a, a defenseman to look out for. <laughs> <laughs> Very important note. Yeah, I mean, he, he he had a minus 18 last season on Detroit. 
and the season before that it was a minus 38 but i think he's come a long way detroit is is slowly getting better i think he is projected for seven goals 35 assists and he'll probably be like their number one uh, power play guy on detroit he's slated for projected for 17 power play points and he, he will get you some hits and blocks i mean not amazing numbers but still over a hit per game and just under a block per game so i think he's a, a quality defenseman that can provide you some power play points and just some points in general for your team great point always good to keep an eye out for those guys um, i'll go with the defenseman as well his name is rasmus anderson plays for the calgary flames defense now, Rasmus Anderson took a huge step last year, finally kind of broke through with them. They were giving him top minutes with that team. Mark Giordano is gone. Those of you wondering, there goes their number one defenseman, the guy who was the number one guy on the power play. He is off to the Seattle Kraken. He was actually just named the first captain in Seattle Kraken history earlier today. So there goes the leader. There goes the power play guy. There goes the guy who... Pretty much all the offense ran through him. Rasmus Anderson, I think, is going to be the next guy up. I think he's going to fill in that role. I think they're going to expect more from him in terms of the leadership. But I think specifically hockey fantasy related, I think he'll get more opportunity on the power play. And I think his assist totals are going to go up from the year before. He is only owned in 13% of leagues. And he is essentially a number one defenseman on an NHL team. Now, they don't score a ton of points in terms of five-on-five, five, but that power play, they have Matthew Kachuk, they have Johnny Gaudreau, they have Sean Monahan, they have Elias Lindholm. Rasmus Anderson is going to get points playing on the Calgary Flames power play. So that is my last sleeper pick for you. And now we're going to move on to players to avoid. Marcus, you want to lead off here? For my first guy, I'm going to go with uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov. He's on Washington. He's the center. I don't think he'll be playing with Alex Ovechkin. Uh, he has uh, slowly been declining since his big uh, point outburst at 83 points in 2017-2018 in 79 games. And it's been slowly going down with the season after at 72 points. And then the season after that at 52 points in 63 games. And then last season, four, uh, 29 points in 41 games his shooting percentage isn't as high and he's not getting the same play time with Ovechkin I think he's a guy to avoid I don't think he's he's getting ranked pretty high in in Yahoo and based on his uh, stats and how he's been playing I I would avoid him for sure owned in 95% of Yahoo fantasy leagues this is somebody I think that just has a name recognition at this point people see the name and they're like oh yeah Kuznetsov I remember him he is not the same player from three, four years ago. He really isn't. And uh, Nicholas Backstrom is the one who plays with Ovechkin. So I don't think you're going to see Kuznetsov playing with Ovechkin too much unless Backstrom is injured. And that's pretty much the only opportunity. <clears throat> I'm going to move on. I am going to talk a little bit about Taylor Hall, center slash left wing for the Boston Bruins. Now, this is an avoid in terms of the context that there are a lot of other players available who are potentially going to be able to have some bigger seasons. Taylor Hall has really just that one season with the Devils where he was the focal point and put up a ton of points. 
for the most part, Taylor Hall has been a guy who has played with very talented wingers and played with very talented centers, and he's able to produce and get those points. Last season, he did bad. I know he played for Buffalo. He played with Jack Eichel before Jack Eichel got injured. He did bad. One thing I just want to be very clear about here is I think he will do significantly better with Boston than he did with Buffalo, but he is not on the top line. He is not part of the perfection line, and I think that is going to be a big issue when it comes to Taylor Hall playing with the Boston Bruins. A lot of people are expecting him to put up the kind of points that he did in New Jersey when he won the Hart Trophy that one season. That Taylor Hall, to me, is gone. I think that has come, and I think that has passed. I think he has the opportunity to get some points, but I just don't see him as someone who, in this case, owned in 92% of fantasy leagues. He is taking, he is being taken very high to the point where I would suggest maybe there's some other players around that same draft area that'll probably have a better season overall. Well, it's a definitely a good thing I didn't draft Taylor Hall then. <laughs> For my uh, next avoid player, it's going to be Joe Pavelski. He is owned in 90% of the Yahoo leagues right now, but I think father time is going to catch up pretty soon. I think also that the Dallas roster probably won't be hit as hard with COVID. Slash, uh, you're going to have Tyler Sagan back. That's a big spot that maybe Joe Pavelski slotted into and maybe took some of his ice time or got some of his ice time after he got injured. You may see uh, Joe Pavelski closer to not uh, last season, but the previous season, that kind of Joe Pavelski, where he only had 14 goals, 71 assists in six, sorry, 17 assists, not 71 assists. <laughs> I was going to say, man, assists. 71 assists, <laughs> damn. In 67 games. I mean, he did have a really good season last season with 51 points in 56 games, but he's gotten another year older, and a lot of the Dallas roster is healthy again. And so I, I don't think he's going to get as much playtime and the opportunities are going to be reduced. Yeah, I agree with you. <clears throat> I think he's one of those guys where maybe people are going to expect the same numbers from last season. And I just fantasy wise, I just don't know if I see that happening this year. Okay. The next guy I want to talk about is going to be Sam Bennett. Okay. Center right plays for the Florida Panthers owned in 88% of leagues. He's coming off the board in, average draft position ADP of 93 top 100 look I get he had you know the whole 15 points in 10 games after the trade deadline going from Calgary over to the Florida Panthers 15 points in 10 games yes that is absolutely ridiculous that is good again did very well in the playoffs for them seems to fit seamlessly with the Florida Panthers I can see optimism I can see wanting him on your team 93rd in ADP, owned in 88% of leagues. Guys, we're talking about somebody who for three quarters of the season last year was playing like third slash fourth line minutes with the Calgary Flames. This is a guy who people were complaining that he wasn't showing up, he wasn't putting in the effort, he wasn't training as hard as he needs to train. I think the fresh start was nice, but I think you might start to see some of those habits creep back in here. And at the end of the day, 15 
you know, solid games or whatever it is, 10 solid games in the regular season doesn't warrant a top 100 selection uh, in, in terms of Sam Bennett here. So I think in this range of 93, there's definitely some other guys that are more proven and have been proven over years. I don't know if it's worth taking the risk on Sam Bennett in this position. I think I would pass on him. I would aim for somebody different. So some very good points. For my last guy that I'm going to avoid would be Jack Eichel. Unless you're in a keeper league and that he was still available and late in the round, that's the only reason I would draft him. But other than that, I don't think you should have Jack Eichel this season. He, he has to get back surgery and hasn't selected which one he's going to get slash the team hasn't let him select which one and he wants out of Buffalo. So there's just a whole lot of controversy. It doesn't look like Jack Eichel is going to play anytime soon, let alone this season for that matter. Even if he were to get traded, he still has to get back surgery, which could be, you know, lots of months, weeks in to recover. Definitely would avoid Jack Eichel. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Too many question marks. And I think the main point here is he's going off the board at an ADP of 65. Why is he being taken 65th overall in those draft rankings, only 91% of leagues? Unless you're in a keeper league? Exactly. Honestly, that's probably what it is, right? So fair point. I like where you're thinking. I like where your head's at in this particular case. Um, the next guy I want to talk about is uh, Burakovsky. Plays uh, for the Colorado Avalanche, left slash right wing. Burakovsky's owned in 88% of leagues. The problem I have with Burakovsky is not himself or what he provides or what he gives you in terms of a fanny option. It's the fact that he's going 104th in ADP right now, average draft position. There are so many wingers and just good hockey players, defensemen, centers, goaltenders available in this 104 range. I I mean, you guys know my perspective. Take wingers often and early so that you don't have to take a guy like Burakovsky 104 when there's so many other guys available with way better value in the 104 range. So I just think it's too early to be taking a guy like him off the board. He's not playing with McKinnon, Rantanen, and Landeskog. He might be playing with Nazim Kadri, but I just don't see the value in this pick here. I would avoid him in this spot. And I think it's important to say that and make sure everybody's aware. When we're talking about avoiding these guys, hey, if the guys we're talking about are dropping and falling hard in some of your leagues and you want to take a shot at them later on in drafts, in late rounds, that's fine. But we're just trying to give you that perspective of, you know, value at the rank because some of these guys are just simply ranked too high they should not be being taken in the spot that they're in and i think that that's really the biggest thing that we have to talk about in this case awesome (laughs) awesome okay that ends our fantasy talk so that means we are coming to the end of our our podcast for episode number three and we just wanted to kind of wrap up just have a quick little uh conversation here on the way out so just a maybe a little recap on the things we discussed. You know, we talked about Carey Price. We talked about the importance of asking for help. We talked about our hopes and maybe hoping that COVID is going to avoid wreaking havoc on the NHL this year because we are super excited for the Olympics. Team Canada representing and sending all of our players off to the Winter Olympics, which, as Marcus suggested, Canada is much better at the Winter Olympics than they are at the Summer Olympics. 
Uh, but gold medal, <laughs> gold medal is what we're looking for specifically for hockey. So hopefully that is the case and hopefully COVID doesn't wreak havoc. We broke down and discussed some of the contracts that were signed, right, Marcus, Pedersen, Hughes, Barkov, and yep. of course, Zibinijad or DJ Z Bad. For those of you, remember, search it up, take a look, see if you like some of his music. We kind of broke down that Maple Leaf talk as well, just looking at some of the cuts that were made where we see some of the guys going. You know, sounds like Marcus and I have a minor disagreement here when it comes to Ilya Mikheyev and where we see him on this Leafs team. And in eight weeks, we will revisit this discussion and we'll see what happens in terms of the Leafs giving him that opportunity to potentially play in a top six role. I don't really see it happening, but you know, hey, Marcus does. So maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. We will find out and then yeah the excitement of the full capacity right in Ontario so the Maple Leafs are going to have 20,000 fans in the seats not tomorrow well today's Monday as we mentioned a few times but Wednesday night in their home opener uh, they are hosting the Montreal Canadiens 10,000 in Ottawa I'm sorry <laughs> 10,000 in Ottawa well, that was actually going to be my very next point because oh. <laughs> they're hosting the Montreal Canadiens Wednesday night and then they're going to play oh, against okay, the Ottawa yeah. Senators on Thursday night. So it's a back-to-back. Although, Marcus, I will say the Ottawa Senators typically do sell well in games that the Toronto Maple Leafs play in Ottawa. Well, yeah. all the Leafs fans are going. That's exactly it. There is going to be a whack ton of Leaf fans at that game in Ottawa, which is the second game for the Toronto Maple Leafs there a lot of people wonder why by the way like why is there so many Leaf fans why isn't there more Ottawa fans it's because the Leafs have been around for a lot longer than the Sens there's just a lot of older generations who grew up and were cheering for the Leafs because there was no Senators team and then when they had kids they made sure their kids cheered for the Toronto Maple Leafs so there is a younger generation and there are a lot of people who still are Sens fans there but for the most part there's just a lot of people who are Leafs fans still because the Toronto Maple Leafs have been a team in Ontario for a lot longer than the Ottawa Senators. That's that. And then we gave you some of our value picks, some of our sleeper picks, and potentially who to avoid in your drafts. If you've already drafted and you maybe have some of the guys we said to avoid, uh, maybe you can take a look at some trade options and be like, hey, anybody want Evgeny Kuznetsov? And see if you can get any value for him before the season starts. Uh, or maybe wait and see. Because if Backstrom's out, you could let Kuznetsov play with Ovi for a few games, get some points, and then trade him when his value's high. <laughs> uh, sorry, Marcus's cat decided to walk right across the screen and completely block Marcus from my view. Although you yep. can't see video, it's just audio. I can actually see Marcus, so it's pretty funny. Okay, Marcus, uh, any last send-offs, any last goodbyes that you would My like to say? My cat said goodbye. He purred into the microphone. I don't know if you guys heard. No, I think you covered it all, Sean. It was great talking to you today. Have an excellent week, and we will talk next time. Next time we talk, we're going to actually break down some regular season Toronto Maple Leaf games. Pretty darn exciting. And also for fantasy... We're going to talk about Marcus and I's actual draft. So no longer mock draft. We're going to take a look at our teams. And maybe on Twitter, we'll put up a poll to see whose team is better. I think I'm going to win again. Yeah, if you suppress all the votes and just vote <laughs> yourself, of course you're going to win. Recount!
<laughs> All right. Thank you very much, everyone. This is the Faceoffs and Fantasy Podcast with Sean and Marcus. We hope to see you next time for episode number four. Have a great week, and we will talk to you all later. Toodles. Thank you.